So welcome to the Press Rewind, Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brenninger, and on this episode, I'll be covering Andy Christian from uh, Prince's Controversy album. And joining me to unpack the, the lyrical mysteries that lie within this song. Oh, boy. Uh, Jerry Bonner. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back, Jerry. How you doing, Jason? Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, I know. You, you wanted to select this song, and I'm guessing you had a reason for it. It's a pretty intriguing track. <laughs> to say the least uh most definitely i mean and it's it's odd it's probably well controversy the, the album in and of itself and uh this song uh particularly are ones that I, I came to much much later in life controversy is the last prince album i i owned like physically and it, and it wasn't really until like the early 2000s um i just never you know I had kind of a, it's, I know it's going to sound weird, but it's, it's a, it's a, you know, I guess a, a teenager or a kid's kind of weird bias. Uh, a friend of mine had happened to see uh, a Prince controversy video, the, the video for controversy. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, kind of like talked, like slagged on it, like kind of said it was kind of crap or it was shit or whatever. And, you know, in 1983 or 1984, you know, they were replaying it. You know, I guess they didn't replay it when controversy came out. They were replaying it now. You know, because Prince was popular, and I was like, "Oh, here's this older video that Prince did," and I never actually saw it. He saw it, and like was like, "Oh, it's so bad," and it had like no guitar solo. It was really weird, and blah blah. blah. And so, for whatever reason, that stuck in my mind, and I never really got into the controversy album, as I said, until much later. And then, of course, like everything else, pretty much Prince did. It was like, "Oh my God, this is like so good. Why? Why did I wait so long to you know to pick this up?" <laughs> And Annie Christian, obviously, yeah, was a song that um, that really stuck out for a lot of reasons. And then one, a little bit later, it kind of immediately when this person came on the scene, um, and that, that person being Sarah Palin, I immediately thought, you know, I said, like, oh, she's like Annie Christian. It was the, that was the, you know, the thing that just popped into my head immediately. And any time that she was on, you know, in, during that, you know, when she was in McCain's running partner and, you know, on the on the news or whatever, I always, you know, I didn't call her Sarah Palin. I called her Annie Christian. <laughs> so, <funny>. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> it, was it was only a few years later that, you know, she kind of popped up. And so, yeah. <laughs> so right. that's my, that, my my real reason for wanting to do this more than that not that it's just not a cool song it's just uh you know that was uh the, the weird kind of connection i had with it yeah i doubt that i would have found too many other people that would bring that connection with them if i asked them to join me on this song like oh yeah well, i thought about sarah palin i thought of annie christian too <laughs> I, I have a feeling that's a very unique jerry thing <laughs> if i had to guess yeah, I don't, you know, people thought I, I made that. And realistically, if anybody heard me say it, they thought I made it up. And like, you know, like, oh, why, you know, they would laugh, but not. And then I would have to explain saying, oh, well, there's an older Prince song, you know, called Annie Christian. That kind of just for whatever reason, it was like one of those weird, whatever you want to call it, serendipitous kind of moments in your life where you're listening to something and then something comes along at the same time that kind of clicks at least in your mind mm-hmm. that uh and now you know sarah palin i mean has kind of fallen by the wayside people barely you know you barely hear her name anymore and if you do it's not for great, the greatest reasons or i think her kids yeah. are usually causing issues the, the one daughter seems to be always a big problem but yeah i mean that was you know just how it kind of worked for me so 
So Andy Christian is the 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 penultimate track on the Controversy album. It's second to last song, and it's the uh, fourth track on side B. And it, it, as I mentioned, it's it's kind of a strange one for sure. Like there's a lot going on there in in the lyrics that, and you know, not even t- taking into consideration like some of the odd production choices Prince made for this song. Just from speaking lyrically, there's a lot of things happening in this and we won't even get too much into the music because that's not what we typically do on the podcast but just very briefly the song to me always came across a little unfinished like it was almost like a demo version and and originally my thoughts were that it sounded like shit you know like it was a really crappy mix and it was very tinny and uh, I just felt like it was half-baked wasn't quite done and but now i don't have that kind of negative feeling toward it i mean that was just my initial reaction and which might have been very similar to a lot of people's initial reaction to this song when you think of maybe some of the the higher higher quality production going on in songs like private joy and controversy and let's work and then to get this kind of this really stark um sparse production with very little um you know, musicality to it. I mean, there's some synthesizers bubbling around in the background, these pulses, got some bells, but the song is just kind of really weird sounding. And it sounds a little grimy and raw, which can be considered negative or a positive, depending on how you look at it. But now that I look back, I think, well, I mean, the production kind of matches the lyrics in terms of how it's it's it is a it is a gritty song and it talks about some some really heavy stuff um there's some there's some topics in the lyrics that are quite heavy uh you know we've got got murder mayhem sex you know it's just there's all sorts of stuff going on in this yeah political political corruption of course when they yeah yeah we'll get to that as well yeah the ab scam mentioned so yeah there's there's a lot of ripped from the headlines which you know the controversy album right there in the cover it's got all these headlines so this this absolutely uh, matches what what prince was doing from from like the like the theme of the album and from you know the cover art what you've got from that and what is what is the cover image that talks about annie it was like annie christian sentenced to die or something like that yeah yeah that's i mean one of the kind of like there's like a you know paste up of headline articles obviously behind him you know and in, in, on the cover and yeah any christian sentenced to die and yeah um i mean my take on it i guess from the musical perspective is i, I think it the music is you know the guitar and the synths are are kind of sparse because he, he wants you to kind of focus on the lyrics the, the almost well not almost i mean the majority of the, the lyrics aren't sung they're they're shouted mm-hmm. if anything and um you know i, I think at that point it, that that was always and that's, I think, what drew me to the song, too. It just sounded, you would say it sounded unfinished. To me, it, it sounded so, I guess, yeah, it did sound unfinished, I think, but it sounded so different to everything on that album. That's why it immediately drew my ear as well. It's like, okay, and as I said, it was, you know, I think the music and in in it is downplayed, so you're listening more closely to almost like a sermon or like he's almost like preaching, like, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you these, these things, you know, that I, I want you to pay attention to rather than kind of maybe mask or obscure a little bit behind uh, me singing or, or any kind of real, uh, you know, real elaborate music. 
Yeah, and I and I gotta assume that that was the production choice Prince made for that reason. It's like really to focus on the lyrics and really to focus on the message in the song, even if the message is sometimes confusing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, I think yeah. that is what Prince was trying to do. Like, hey, I'm going to really dial the music back to this this really bare bones track. And you mentioned the lyrics being um, kind of like shouted. And it, it is. It's it, uh, He's shouting the lyrics in like a proto rap style almost. Some of it just seems like random, random lines. And especially in the chorus, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, the the way it's sung, and I use sung loosely because it's really not, leads it to, to really kind of sound very uh, almost punkish. And what I like about that is that, uh, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard or seen, it's more of a here, but it's on a YouTube channel where you can listen to a a really hard-rocking punk version of this song that that his band he and his band played during the controversy tours in 1982 have you ever heard that or seen that i have not now i'm gonna have to go look that up oh my god you should check it out. i will definitely post <laughs> yeah, it on, a link on to that because I, I i would i would enjoy uh that i mean because obviously you know punk was uh you know huge of the late 70s early 80s at that point yeah that was i would you know i would think that that would you know be perfect for a set in in that era so yeah yeah, what he and Des Dickerson do for this track live is just amazing. Like, I want, I want a version of that. <laughs> I want to own a, a version of that's the songs sung in that style and performed in that style, because it just transforms the song completely. Not to take anything away from the recorded version we have, but as just kind of like a, an alternate. Uh, option for listening to the song you listen to it in the pure way that prince created all by himself in his kiowa trail studio or you can have this really transformative live version that goes balls to the wall in terms of like guitar sounds i mean they just they just hammer it out it's really fastly sung and um yeah the guitar is just first and foremost takes center stage in their version where there's really very little guitar I mean, there's there is some guitar in in this ver in the recorded version, but uh, very minimal compared to what you hear in this live version. So I, I encourage anybody listening to this recording to go to your your YouTube app and to search Andy Christian live or something. It's one of the first things you'll come up if you if you just do it. Search Christian. that. Yeah, yeah. I would have. I mean, I guess in the main cool. thing about that is I, I'm you know shocked that they would have performed this song live. It, it just doesn't sound like especially the album version doesn't sound like a song that would work well live unless you, like you said, you did something transformative yeah. with it. So yep. that makes sense in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think this is really not a song that Prince did live much after the controversy tour. If sure, not, yeah, yeah. maybe he never did it anymore after the controversy tour. I didn't do a lot of research on that, but my understanding is that a lot of these songs, especially like this one, it was so, so topical at the time, but also, yeah, yeah. You know, once once all of the issues of that are being discussed in the lyrics have kind of fallen into the the past, then it doesn't add a lot of weight no, to it. Yeah. You have to almost update the lyrics every five to ten years to make it relevant. Definitely, I mean, yeah. There's uh, and one bowl, I guess, as we discussed line by line. There's a lot of uh, zeitgeisty things, you know, for nineteen, you know, eighty, eighty one. Obviously, discussed in in the song that. 
uh, most p- people today listening to it, I, I don't think would, would quite understand unless they Googled it. You know, I was, you know, 10, 11 years old at, at the time a lot of these things happened. So I, I do remember them, you know, quite well, fortunately or, or unfortunately. So I guess yeah. we start talking about them. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So the song is really um, goes covers a lot of current events, and I say current meaning like from 1981 when the song was recorded. So it kicks off with the first verse: uh, "Andy Christian wanted to be number one, but her kingdom never comes. Thy will be done. She couldn't stand the glory; she'd be second to none. The way Andy tells the story, she's his only son." So I'm going to pause there. That's not the entire first verse, but those first four lines, I think, have enough interesting imagery going on there that we can just dive into that a little bit so right off the bat you, uh, you the mention of Andy christian in the first the words of the first verse in the first line and i think nobody can talk about any christian without making the connection to you know religion and this is where these first four lines really kind of you know men start mentioning a lot of religious connections with the word Christian inherently has religious connotations, obviously. Um, yeah. Then the next line, her kingdom never comes, thy will be done. That's almost like a prayer, a line from a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got the only son mentioned with uh, the way Andy tells the story. She's his only son. So there's the Jesus Christ type imagery going on there. I mean, what else? What else we got? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and it's said later on in the song, obviously, it's it's a play on words, too, you know, to, for Antichrist. Uh, mm-hmm. The Antichrist is the one, obviously, who was trying to bring about, not to get too deeply religious, but, uh, you know, the, the, the end times and, you know, his own, his or her own kingdom um, that would be the opposite of, of what Christ was trying to, you know, to do, uh, you know, bring heaven on earth. And the Antichrist is obviously trying to bring hell on earth. And I get that, you know, the illusion there. Um, is 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 pretty heavy and pretty easy to to, to make, um, at least from my perspective. That yeah, this, this person is the you know is is the antichrist is who he's who he's talking about. Um, yeah. So and that yeah, and in, in the first four lines of a you know a nineteen you know eighty kind of punk you know soul uh, fusion type song, it's kind of heavy. It's hitting you right over the head. It's not you know he's not pulling any punches coming out of the gate. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. then the verse continues annie christian wanted to be a big star so she moved to atlanta and she bought a blue car she killed black children and what's fair is fair if you try to say you're crazy everybody say electric chair electric chair so he's, he's using the call and response effect yeah. in this song right. which is 
I, I actually really like that. I like the call and response thing because it makes it um, sound to me like he wants crowd participation in this, even though the lyrics are not usually the type that, you know, crowds participate in. Typically, like, you know, every, everybody clap your hands, raise the roof, you know. Everybody, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a happy, fun time when you're right, when happy, you're fun time, happy party lyrics is yeah. where you typically <laughs> try to encourage crowd participation. But he wants people to say electric chair. <laughs> yeah. Which is, but yeah, you, you get the right cool. punk audience in the in the early 1980s, and they'd be into that. They'd be loving that. So, yeah. And then <laughs> then he got his song from Batman called "Electric Chair" later. So electric, exactly right. Yeah, he, yeah. Likes, he likes the imagery going on there. So obviously, uh, Atlanta. We got Atlanta child murders. What do you remember from? Uh, if you remember anything about those, the Atlanta child murders from the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I. I I was of the age of a lot of the kids that were 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 you know, were abducted and killed, unfortunately, and it obviously it was on the news every night, um, you know, and and finally when they caught you know the guy, his name was you know Wayne Williams, not to at least you know he he is still to this day I think you know asserts his uh, his innocence, but yeah. you know he he was the one that they. Uh, obviously you know boiled it down to and arrested for for those murders, and. Um, yeah, it was kind of a harrowing thing as a, as a child, as a child, you know, and you know, it was it was said it was on the news every night, and it's funny, it's actually coming back into popular culture um, next week. It's gonna there, there's a Netflix show called Mindhunter, which is excellent, and if you haven't checked out the first season, please do. Um, about it's about the how the FBI came about their their you know modus operandi for for uh, tracking down serial killers. Um, and this next season that's coming up next week is is based on you know it's based around the the Atlanta child murder. So there you go. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Very interesting. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, I mean it's an excellent show. Not that we're kind of diverging here a bit, but Mindhunter on Netflix. Yes, check it out if you're okay. interested. But the blue car too is is a reference. Obviously, they that's how they they found Wayne Williams. Ultimately, was that he had this blue car and and um, and a lot of he was just you know kind of an odd dude and. All that, but yes, it was something that was on the news um, for months on end. Quite honestly, as, as I recall it, as a kid, it just uh, you know, and it was kind of a scary thing. I mean, I, I didn't grow up sure. you know, super far, you know, from Atlanta, you know, like a thousand miles or so. So it was something that definitely was uh, they talked about in schools, and uh, and you know, parents obviously talked about it, and and uh, you know, the nightly news that talked about it quite a bit as well. Yeah, just the fact that the, these were going on for basically two years before they caught somebody, and um, that that would be a, a frightening, terrifying two years to live in the Atlanta area if you were a parent or a child. So, like, for, obviously the children are going to be scared, but children, you know, they, they tend to sometimes not quite understand the gravity of what's going on around them, but to be a parent of a child in Atlanta... Uh, around that time, I would have just been like, you know, you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna escort my children everywhere they go if, if possible. But I mean, unfortunately, for a lot of these parents, I'm sure it wasn't possible. Working parents or people who couldn't be with their children 24/7, so they, they just had to trust that they didn't hope that they would stay safe, and um, that would be terrifying to, to not know that you know, your kid walks out your door to go play, they may not come back because of what's because if somebody is stalking children, you know, and specifically black children, 
here in the Atlanta area. And that was just that as a parent, that would be just terrifying. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Um, it's, you know, it's every parent's obviously a worst, uh, worst nightmare, something like that. Um, and it's something you really don't quite grasp or understand until you, you become a parent. Um, and like you say, yeah, as a kid, I, I knew it was a thing. I, I knew it was, you know, scary, but yeah, you're, it's yeah okay there's that thing and uh, you know what i'm gonna i want to i want to go play atari and i want to go play stickball with my friends it, you, you don't have the same it doesn't carry the same weight or have the same gravity as it does obviously for an adult so it right. was you know that kind of thing and it was you know i mean it was obviously something i knew about and it was prevalent but it, you know i had kid concerns as, as well so it wasn't something that get kept me in the house yeah yeah i'm sure i mean unfortunately it didn't keep the kids who were abducted and murdered in the house either. And that's the sad part. Exactly. And um, you know, that's what those kind of people, those predators, you know, bank upon or pay, prey upon, you know, they, they know, you know, what they're looking for and they know what, uh, you know, what, what the people's weaknesses are and that's what they, they go after. So, yeah. Yep. So one thing I wanted to, or one interesting thing about this section of the verse is, uh, the, he leads this particular section with Andy Christian wanted to be a big star. And so, you know, typically you would say something like that and then follow up with, so they're going to record a song or they're going to, you know, do something grand or big and important. Um, but instead, Andy Christian decides to kill a bunch of kids and that's how she's supposed to be, a, or, you know, is planning to become a big star becoming more infamous, <laughs> which is um, kind of goes in line with this whole theory that Andy Christian is the Antichrist and, um, you know, is the personification of that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it, too. I mean, it all feeds into the, uh, you know, the serial killer, or the, the mass murderer thing. They Their mission isn't complete until people know who they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, it's, it's, it is kind of a, a perverse form of stardom, you know. And, yeah. Yep, and by the time Prince wrote this, we have to assume that, well, I'm just looking at, like, the timeline. So I believe that Wayne Williams was, was caught in maybe late spring of 81, and all records that I've been able to see indicate that, that Prince recorded controversy in late spring and in summer of 81. So my guess is that this was probably written after Wayne Williams was caught because I think that maybe it would have been, I don't know, maybe a little um, insensitive to, to talk about the Atlanta child murders without anybody, you know, with the killer still loose potentially not to say that, that, that Prince or any artist, you know, it's can't talk about current events if, if there's still something going on and still unresolved, but I feel like it was maybe a little easier to talk about or at least some relief um and could be discussed in 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 art now that what they believe is the, the convicted killer although as you mentioned wayne williams still does not um admit to being guilty to these crimes there are people that believe that uh he was set up by the kkk and the kkk was killing these kids and uh, obviously there's i don't believe that there's any proof because if there was there i would hope that the case would be reopened, but there's definitely theories out there that indicate that Wayne Williams is a scapegoat and uh, the KKK is responsible. But 
I don't want to um, speculate because I really know nothing about that other than what I read. So I just thought it was interesting. No doubt. And um, I, again, I, I would uh, hate to believe that that would be the case. But nowadays, you know, if you would ask me this maybe, you know, 15 years ago, I would, I would have said no. But now as things have evolved in our country, I I don't know. I yeah. would hate to think that. But who knows at this at this stage of the game? Yep. Agreed. Okay, so then after the the electric chair uh, call and response, he goes into the chorus, and the chorus is very brief. There's just two lines: "Any Christian, any Christ, until you're crucified, I'll live my life in taxi cabs." So this this uh, chorus, right now, well, right off the bat, kind of just spells out: "Any Christian is the Antichrist." You know, it's just saying like it's play on words again. Mm-hmm. So. Instead of it's not antichrist, it's anti Christian, anti Christ. But you say that ten times, and you know nine times out of ten people are going to hear antichrist because yeah, it runs it runs together nicely. Yeah, obviously. they they're going to hear what they what is more commonly referred to, and nobody says anti Christ. So you say anti Christ, everybody hears antichrist. So it is what it is, and that was the intent for sure. Sure. But the second line, until you're crucified, I'll live my life in taxi cabs. This this line baffled me for the longest time. Not so much because you know I needed to know exactly what Prince meant by living life in taxi cabs. It just I didn't quite make a connection. How how is how is living a life in taxi cabs going to protect you from the Antichrist? And I didn't quite because I, that's why I'm taking like until you're crucified, until you're gone, until you're eliminated. He's gonna live his life in taxi cabs. What I've got, I've got one theory, but I'd like to hear yours first, Jerry, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it just means you know he's gonna live his life um, in hiding, you know, on the run. Until he's gonna live his life in, you know, living his life on the run until you know you're taken down and you can't get at me. That's yep. my my take on it. Okay, well. We're yeah. aligned then, because that's pretty much how I took it as well. I, when yeah. I finally decided, like, I needed to come to a conclusion with what I thought about this line, because forever I just kind of listened to it. And I'm like, I don't really know what he's saying, so I'm not even going to think about it. That's where I went with it, too. Like, if you're living a life in a taxi cab, you're always on the move. You know, you're you're never staying put long enough to to be to be found, to be um, targeted. And for some reason, you know... Prince felt safer in a taxi cab than he did in his own apartment or, you know, wherever he was living or wherever he might end up in a hotel or whatever. So, and that's, that's because taxis are always moving. And that's really exactly what I thought of it as well. Just stay on the run, stay on the move. And uh, maybe you don't have to worry about these, um, these evils uh, that, that he's presenting in the song. Yep. No doubt. Okay, um, and and also I just want to say if I, this is since this line is is pretty um, subjective in terms of like its meaning, I would love it if anybody has any other interpretations because Jerry and I kind of have the same one, and that's fine. But sometimes it's cool when we have different opinions and different thoughts on a line. So anybody has their own thoughts and opinions on it, I would love to hear what they are because I'm always open to different interpretations, especially of lyrics like this sure yeah it's you know always interesting to hear different opinions and theories for sure yeah absolutely all right so that then that's the end of the chorus like i said it's very short very to the point 
And then Prince goes into the, the next verse. says any Christian was a whore always looking for some fun being good was such a bore so she bought a gun she killed John Lennon shot him down cold she tried to kill Reagan everybody say gun control gun control <laughs> such great such great sing-songy uh, callback I, yeah. I know the song isn't funny it's not inherently funny no not at all no. but the way whenever Prince does this call and response with these like deadly uh events electric chair and gun control like anything that talks about violence and then he wants crowd participation and it just i can't help but smirk a little bit (laughs) i don't i don't belly laugh so much i maybe just did but normally i just smirk when he says that (laughs) sure yeah yeah you you know it's easy it's hard not to you know yeah have that kind of response to it yeah it's a little it brings a little levity to the um to such a dour kind of (laughs) song no doubt (laughs) So, Annie, Annie Christian's a whore, looking for fun. And, um, you know, she's bored. <laughs> so, hey, why, might as well buy a gun and then kill a bunch of, or shoot, you know, these, these very, these very high-profile individuals. You know, the, one of the Beatles, for God's sake. I mean, in 1980, John Lennon was murdered, as we all know, um, yep. and shot, shot by gun, so it's absolutely gun violence and, and very seemingly random gun violence. Do you remember? Did, did Lennon even know his murderer? Apparently, he met him early. As far as I remember the story, now he, he met him earlier in the day, and he Chapman approached him for an autograph, and then and then John Lennon signed it for him, and then he, he I guess he got cold feet, chickened out at that moment, and then waited until later until he came back. Uh-huh. At later at night, and then at the hotel there, and and then shot him as he yeah. was as he was trying to go you know into the hotel. Yeah. As that's as that's as far as I remember the story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't th- I didn't think it was anybody that he that Lennon knew wasn't like an acquaintance or even or you know a friend or anybody like that. Yeah, not like that. But he apparently Chapman approached him earlier, and then you know I guess either. Just didn't feel comfortable in that moment, or, or whatever you want to say it, and you know, and then waited until very much later. The Lennon returned. Mm. Okay, yeah, shot him down cold. I mean, that is that is absolutely what happened. And then he mentions that she tried to kill Reagan because we know that Reagan survived his assassination attempt earlier in 1981. And uh, Zach Hoskins and I we talked a bit about the assassination attempt on Reagan and. Uh, the Ronnie Talk to Russia episode because, you know, well, hello, that song is all about Ronald Reagan and Russian relations. So there's some um, need to talk about the fact that, you know, Ronnie almost lost his life earlier in the year, very early in his presidency. So he brings it up, Prince brings it up again in this song uh, as an attempted killing, try to kill Reagan. And then we got the gun control. So um, at that point, you know, what was it was the Brady bill or something like that that was enacted right after that yeah his press secretary 
um, unfortunately happened to be standing next to him uh, and caught, you know, a bullet in the, in the head. Yep. And then, you know, was, was, you know, severely, I think, paralyzed. Um, and his wife actually yeah, took it, took it upon herself to kind of enact, you know, get all this rolling. And yeah, it became the, you know, the Brady bill, the, the gun control, one of the first gun control bills in this, in this country, as, as I'm recalling. Um, yeah. yeah. Mandated so. federal background checks. I just did a quick review yeah. of the Brady Bill, and that was, I think, to your point, the first time that this there was really any kind of control around, you know, the purchase of firearms and and uh, you know waiting periods and mm-hmm. the checks because the, these mentally unstable individuals were had access to guns and. Sad right. to say, you mean they, that's changed today? Well, I don't think it <laughs> sad has. To say. Yeah, forty years <laughs> later, forty years later, a whole later. different rabbit hole, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have to go too into it, but yeah. certainly, it's still a relevant conversation. And no, forty no years, doubt. almost forty years later, yeah, no doubt. The 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 mandatory uh, background checks and and waiting periods uh, apparently are still not enough. They're still it. The Brady Bill was a good start. It, they had to do something, or they felt like they had to do something. You know, you try to kill a president, I guess shit gets done. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> you know, you, uh, murdering twenty plus people at a mall or at a school is is not enough. So, I don't know. All I know is that we're still in a bit of a crisis mode here in America in terms of gun violence and. Um, you know, the gun control issue is usually and always, always, it's always at the heart of the conversation that's happening whenever one of these events occurs in our country. And um, just like it did almost 40 years ago, uh, 1980, 1981, the enactment of this bill was in response to, I mean, I don't know if it, I mean, obviously it was an immediate response to the Reagan and, and Brady uh, shootings, and neither one of them died, but there had been other, obviously, gun violence that it ended lives within not just celebrities, but I don't know what the numbers are from gun violence in the late 70s, but, and um, at least the, the, the Americans at the time really felt like this was a, a, burgeoning problem that needed to be there needed to be something done with it and the, the feeling was let's regulate this a little more yeah you can go the, the the way around all that nonsense you know or the you know well, not nonsense i mean it's legitimate people should be checked out you know for for a criminal record or any kind of mental health issues before they're issued a deadly weapon um and the, you know the Brady Bill was a very important and and sane response to you know what had just happened, um, and the, the the way people get around it, you know, not to get into it too deeply, I said again, but um, they go to gun shows and you you can buy an AK forty seven or an AR fifteen at these gun shows, you know, cash and carry, and there's I don't know the legality of it, but there's a loophole essentially that you can go and buy them with you know not going to a gun store and having to go through. Yep. The, uh, you know, the, the, the background checks and, and things of that nature, which is, you know, patently insane. Um, but, to, you know, to delve into, I guess, you know, both uh, the Lenin and uh, Reagan things, I remember both of those, those incidents distinctly. Um, and real quickly, I'll go in. I, I remember waking up, um, you know, the morning of, you know, John Lennon died and my father was still at home and he had the, he never typically was by the time I, I woke up for school. 
but he was in the kitchen and, and he had the radio on again, something that was abnormal, you know, for a normal, you know, school day. And it was because he was listening to all the, the news reports about, you know, John Lennon's uh, shooting. And then, uh, and it was, you know, it was sad. It was like, you know, he was like, yeah, they shot, you know, John Lennon, one of the Beatles. And I was like, geez, that's, that's kind of a you know tough thing to process even when you're 10 years old and you haven't had your, you know, your oatmeal yet. So, you know, I, I remember that, you know, distinctly. And I remember it being very cold that day. It was it was early December, but it was, you know, for whatever reason, I do remember it being, you know, bitterly cold in, in on the East Coast as, as well in, in Philadelphia. Um, and then Reagan being shot. I, I remember that, too, because it was I can't I literally, you know, had come home from school. And, um, you know, when I when I came home from school, I immediately wanted to throw on my uh, my car, my shows, my cartoons and things like that. Uh and my mother already had the TV on, and it obviously was, it was you know showing uh, the replays of you know uh, President Reagan getting shot. So it was like three thirty, you know, three o'clock, three thirty in the afternoon um, when it had, it had happened, and and I remember it. You know, it was obviously shaking you up and thinking, oh my god, you know what's going on. And at that point, you know, he still it was still touch and go. I mean, they they were talking about you know taking him into surgery and and things like that. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, one of the first things was they reported was that um, that I remember, you know, and Reagan asked one of the uh, the surgeons if he was a Republican, you know, kind of joking. Uh, uh-huh. So he, he couldn't have been obviously. I mean, he obviously was in serious condition. He was in, he was even an, you know kind of an older man at that point. But um, yeah, then you know that, and I, I you know it was on, and I, I couldn't watch uh, Star Blazers that day. Because the president <laughs> got shot, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are my big takeaways. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thoughts of a kid. I mean, I was <clears throat> even slightly younger than that, so I, I vaguely remember both incidents. My mom was and is a, still a big Beatles fan, and so Lennon's death really hit her pretty hard, you know, because that was her one of her idols growing up, um, listening to the Beatles and. You know, John Lennon obviously was an enormous part of that band and then went on to do his own solo stuff afterwards. And then there was, I believe, a couple, at least one posthumous album that was released. John and Yoko, um, Double Fantasy, maybe. Double it's fantasy. either Double yeah, yeah. yeah, it's Double Fantasy, I think. I remember being so confused as a kid because I knew that John Lennon had been shot and killed and murdered and he was no longer alive. But several years later there was new music by John Lennon on the radio, and I just didn't get it. I didn't understand how that all worked. I, I, I didn't understand that somebody could record a song and have it sit, you know, in a, in a studio or in a, in a vault, if we're talking Prince music, somewhere, sitting somewhere unfinished, ready for it to be released years later. I just didn't, that concept was just baffling to me. I'm like, how is this possible? How am I hearing a new John Lennon song on the, on the radio? He's been dead for like three years. So then Prince does the course a couple more times with the anti-Christian, anti-Christ, until you're crucified. I live my life in taxi cabs. He says that a couple more times. And then we get a bridge. And in the bridge, he yells out, liar, liar, liar. Got you in a jam. 
put your head on the block. Somebody say ab scan. Ab scan. <laughs> so, once again, I cannot fuck. I cannot say <laughs> the, these the sing song parts. Yeah, they're, they're tough. Yeah. <laughs> laughing. And it's it's like I need to like challenge myself one of these days to like read these lyrics out loud, you know, the the, the call and response portions and not laugh. It's like a do not it's like those YouTube challenges. Try not to laugh challenge. Say the say right. the call and response sections of Prince's Andy Christian without, without, without laughing a bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Abscam. Abscam's a little more um obscure more obscure of an an event than let's say the atlanta child murders john lennon and reagan being shot but at the time it's a big deal i don't have any recollection of abscam uh which i'll just very briefly it was just without getting too in depth with this one it was an fbi sting operation that targeted uh members of the u.s congress for corruption you know bribery all this kind of just you know Basically, corrupt politicians were being targeted by the FBI at this time, and the Abscam was was that that sting. What what the name of the sting ended up being called? I don't know if the Abscam was the technical term for it at the time, or if that was what came up the the public or the media came up with that name. I'm not sure. I'm not either, and and again, unfortunately, I, I do have some recollection of this um, again because it it centered around it started centering around Philadelphia and the Philadelphia City Council and the mayor of Camden, um, and then it it blew up into the, the something wider, and it again it was on the local news here uh, almost every night for quite a while. And again, as like a 10 year old kid, I got sick of hearing the word, you know, ab scam. Um, I always thought it was some sort of acronym, but it, it, it isn't, it's just, you know, it, it, it would start off as kind of a small thing and then it blew up into this big political corruption thing. And I remember, you know, seeing these weird grainy videos of people badly dressed as Arabs, you know, exchanging, you know, I guess money, you know, briefcases full of money, um, you know, with, with these politicians and yeah, it, it was, you know, just a weird political corruption, you know, rigmarole. And I, the reason Prince, I, I ripped it from the headlines is, is just, I, I foreign to me, but it was a big deal at the time. So, you know, that's really all, all my takeaway from it was, I guess he, he wanted some sort of variation from, the, the, you know, the murder and mayhem, and now here's this, you know, weird political corruption thing that's also going on at, at, at this period of time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, especially where you grew up and lived at the time with many of the politicians being local politicians, that would have been a much, it would have been uh, much more impactful, I guess, probably to you than maybe to me being a small town Wisconsin boy at the time. Although I'm certain it was in the news all over the whole country, but uh, being the fact that it was local politicians and people that, you know, that you would have been, the adults in your area would have potentially voted for, that puts a little more um, reality to it. Like, I I voted for this person, and this person's corrupt, and that sucks, you know, and they're taking this money, and... Um, that's a big deal to people to, to you know lose that trust in your in your in your politicians and in the people running for office, not knowing who's who's really on the up and up and who are who are the scumbags. And um, I did quickly look it up while you were talking. Abscam was just an FBI code name for the operation. It it's um it looks like it was a truncated version of Arab scam. 
since yeah that, that makes sense i i had always thought it was some sort of acronym as i said but um yeah you know right because a lot of times you see the you see it app scam all capitalized all caps right yeah, and that's you know implies that it's an acronym of some sort but yeah, yeah that makes sense arab scam <laughs> as i said yeah. i remember those weird you know black and white grainy videos as i said these and I do remember thinking at the time, even as a kid, you know, these guys are dumb because, this, you know, it's clearly fake. I mean, you could tell it was such a bad that they dressed as these Arabs. And it was like, even as a 10-year-old kid, I was like, that that looks stupid. I mean, well, who, who would fall for this? But apparently they did, uh, you know. And uh, I don't remember my parents saying too much about it or being disappointed, you know, specifically in any kind of, you know, Philadelphia city councilman or anything like that. But I, I said I do remember it being on the news quite a bit where the, the word became you got kind of sick of hearing the word ab scam every night so yeah i'm sure like for the politicians that ended up being duped into this into this sting operation they saw dollar signs and so they they wanted to believe that it was it was real and legit for them so they 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 saw what they wanted though my Pretty only much. um my yeah. only takeaway on that is how like you say, how could they have been so stupid? Well, they saw what they wanted because they what they wanted was the money. Is all I can really yeah, justify they, for they, that. You know, they saw the, as I said, the the briefcase full of cash more than they did the the poor, almost like stupid, you know, Halloween grade level costume that these guys were wearing. Yep, yep. And I know the movie American Hustle was supposed like the that was out maybe about five six years ago. American Hustle was supposed to be. You know, loosely based on the events of this of this scandal. So, if anybody is curious, uh, I don't know how much truth there is to the plot into the events that took place in American Hustle, or if it's just more of like a conglomerate of these types of political um, corruption scandals, and then put onto the film to make it more entertaining. Maybe it wasn't quite as entertaining as the movie makes it out to be. I'm not sure, but. American Hustle was loosely based on this this scandal, and that's a fairly recent pop culture example of of that. I think the Atlanta child murders, and I believe even with the Ab scam, and I know um, there was movies about Lennon. A lot of the stuff was turned into uh, made for TV movies or feature films, even you know big screen. But most of it, I my understanding is, and if I'm, my recollection is that there was made for TV movies on it. I know for a fact there was an Atlanta Child Murders made for TV movie because I remember watching it and just thinking this is horrible. <laughs> and um, and I I do vaguely remember a John Lennon biopic that was on television as well sometime in the 80s. And then we've got, of course, the American Hustle. But I believe that there were other other television shows, other plots that try to take what happened with that scandal and kind of apply it or fit fit the events into whatever 60 minute long political drama or some sort of you know cop drama or something like that so yeah i i remember the atlanta child murders uh it was like i think it was a a, 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 a mini series a tv mini series i you know I, but I, I do remember that as well and um I haven't seen American Hustle, but yes, I, I do know it came out at a time when I, you know, I kind of didn't want to watch anything, you know, super heavy. Um, I, I was more like, you know, I just wanted to watch things that were more entertaining. Um, and my, my main takeaway from that is I, I, you know, the American, I just remember the, you know, the scene from the trailer of, 
you know, Jennifer Lawrence walking down the hallway and looking, you know, super hot. That's all <laughs> <laughs> in that like white sparkly dress or what it's like, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an Amy Adams. I, I've never seen it, but I do know that it is loosely based on the ab scam scandal. Yep. Yep. I'm an Amy Adams fan myself and she's never looked more beautiful than in that movie. Yeah, that her too. No, Just no, saying. no doubt. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> They're all, both, you know, they're the both Bales right up, right up there for me. So. <laughs> I'm sure that you know Christian Bale, and well, actually Christian Bale looked like shit in that movie. Uh, I'm sure, you know, fans of Bradley Cooper who are listening to the podcast can go check out the movie for him as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're both in it as well. Okay, so um, that's basically the end of the song. You know, from a from a lyrical standpoint, it goes into the chorus again after the bridge and the ab scam chant, and uh, but from from a lyrical standpoint. The song basically ends, and uh, there's some more music and some more of the, you know, this is where Prince inserts a, a little bit of guitar that is in this song. He inserts it at the end, and then we fade out to, before going into the final track on the album, which is Jack You Off, which is a jarring change. Once again, like you go from Ronnie Talks to Russia to Let's Work, and then from Let's Work to Annie Christian, just completely 180 there, and then to go from Annie Christian and what we're talking about and the seriousness of the song and the lyrics and you know the really sparse production to go into this this blast of of pop and and the big sound that goes along with Jack You Off is <laughs> it makes for yeah, side it's, it's, two. it's a big finish pun intended <laughs> it, it makes for uh, controversy side two to be very very eclectic let's just put it that way no doubt yeah that's a great word for that. I mean, the whole album really. I, I would, I think, is you know, eclectic is is a good way to to sum it up. Um, and yeah, it's. You know, I, I don't think you could get different, uh, you know, songs track by track. I think if you if you tried, and I'm sure that that was maybe, I don't know what was in his mind, but I, I think maybe that was what he was thinking. Oh, let's you know, you know, do it this way, and it'll you know, it'll, it'll be these kind of complete changes, um, you know. So. Yeah. Flip, you know, flip flopping between you know each track, and because I, I just said the first time I, I do remember listening to the controversy, any Christian was the way would just kind of like you said it goes from yeah let let's work into uh, into that, and it's like it really kind of stri- it's jarring. It it strikes you, and you're like, oh, what's going on here now? He's like shouting at me about crazy stuff, and <laughs> okay, <laughs> it almost yeah. to me. I mean, it, you know, it, that, that, I guess I should have maybe gotten more of that into the religion part of it, but. It reminds me more of like a uh, a prophet in a sense, like a, like an old school, like uh, Old Testament prophet kind of saying these things, you know, to a, a larger or saying these things at you. And if you don't do something about them, then they, you know they're going to, you know, it's your, your reckoning is coming. And you know that's you know you're you're shouting from a pulpit in a sense, you know, trying to get the message out there. Um, yeah. And again, that's, you know, that was the, my takeaway, you know, from it, you know, how, why the lyrics are the, the way or the way they're presented or way he presents them, um, singing or shouting rather than, than singing. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And the prophet is, is kind of a good way, like to present the way that it's being sung and the way it's being delivered. The way I think of the character of anti-Christian, not just as the antichrist, which is very, you know, very blatantly delivered in that way like it's 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 clear as day and he sings it directly in the chorus but also kind of as like a stand-in and i mentioned personification because i feel like that's what it is like a personification or a stand-in for like 
death, destruction, social ills, just a lot of the real uh, distasteful aspects of society and, and being a human being. There's always the predators. There's always predators out there that you have to worry about. And, and it sucks when the predators that you have to worry about are within your own species. And, and that's what, what's going on here. All these predators are ourselves and, you know, killing, killing kids and shooting people because you just had a weird impression when you tried to meet them earlier in the day and like, ah, well, I didn't like how that went. So I'm just going to kill them instead or kill trying to kill the president of the United States to impress an actress, you know, just in greed. And it's just all these really kind of gross, distasteful parts of, of, of being uh, a human that is in our society and part of our, that has always been part of our society. And, and yes, and now we have guns and now we have new means to uh, enact some of these uh, atrocities, but there's been death and destruction since the beginning of time. So uh, Andy Christian is kind of like, I look at it as just that personification of this, all this awful parts of, of our society. And I don't know why he chose to make Annie a female. I don't know really if there's any any reason behind that or if that is, is meant to, to do anything. Because typically the Antichrist is, I know it's not really a male or female. Like God is not supposed to be male or female. Antichrist, the devil, isn't really supposed to be male or female because they're not supposed to be humans. But it's just an interesting way to look at it, an interesting way to present it. As, as a woman, as a female, because I don't think that that's a typical way that the Antichrist has been portrayed when it's been portrayed in the past. So, yeah, as far I mean, it, all the things in, you know, in, in terms of media up until that point, I mean, even in the book of Revelation and, and um, any kind of paintings or any even up until, you know, right before then with, the, you know, the omen um the Antichrist was always, you know, depicted as as male. Um, so yeah. we had the choice of making, you know, yeah, any, any Christian, you know, the, the the female Antichrist was obviously a, a different one in in 1981. Yeah. So Prince chose to make make it a female. He could have named the song Andy Christian, and it would have. <laughs> but I like Annie because Annie and anti. So if he's going to play with the words in that way, Annie sounds better, and it, it makes it sound. It's a lot clearer. Andy Christ. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have made it work if you really wanted to, if you felt compelled to make the the character a male. But uh, Annie works totally. So the song is what it is. And it's um, it's a it's an interesting snapshot of but at the time current events from 1981. And Prince was really trying to um, to tell a story here that and also put out something a little political, I mean, make a, make a stance about some of these things. He doesn't really say how he feels about the death penalty or gun control, but you, you get the impression that he's trying to. Um, and that's maybe where the song doesn't succeed. Or maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he didn't want to come out with the stance, but a lot of times like political songs, if they're not just commentary, which, which this ends up being, if you're trying to make a stand on something in a song, you have to like offer what where the artist stands on it. And Prince doesn't really do it, although you have to assume that 
he's not in favor of all this this stuff that happens and maybe electric chair gun control is is just his way of saying i i don't condone these activities and i i have never i've never known what prince's dance on were of either gun control or capital punishment so i guess it remains a mystery to me personally you know i i can't you know say one way or the other i Knowing, I, I mean, I think the, the the last political thing I remember him doing was obviously the the Baltimore issue, with, which didn't deal any with any of that. But I, I would think that um, he, my takeaway is, yeah, I don't think he would have been a, a fan of you know rampant you know gun purchases and 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 death penalty. It just doesn't seem to be something you know. I said not knowing the man personally, but from all the indications, I would think that he would be you know, opposed to, to, to both of those, those things. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll, we'll never know since he really can't, you know, speak for himself and, and any, any longer. Well, I think we probably talked about Andy Christian enough. There's a lot to talk about, but um, I think we, we did what we could with the lyrics considering how old they are now. We're, we're talking about a 40 year old song almost. And uh, there's, there's a lot to uncover on pack here, as I mentioned, but I feel like we did a good as job as we possibly could considering that we didn't write the song <laughs> so yeah i mean it's just it doesn't seem like any any research i i did i could really find a definitive nobody pinned prince down on on uh you know what he was saying i mean i, I think the, I, I think the lyrics kind of speak for the, themselves i mean you know it's not he's hitting you over the head by you know the play on words obviously is is strong of any Christian, but then he even says, you know, antichrist in in the you know the, the chorus. So we're not, yeah. you know, you, you don't have to make, you know, it doesn't two and two doesn't you know equal five here. It obviously you know pretty much equals four. So and I, I think if you probably would ask Prince, he probably wouldn't have given you a straight answer anyway. So <laughs> no, no, knowing and listening to interviews of, of his, he didn't really like to explain his songs. So yeah. That would not be unusual for him to say, you know what? I wrote the song, you interpret it. You tell me what she what it's about. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I just take it as political commentary with some religious overtones and um it, it listen to it and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, Prince Prince as the prophet, prophet of doom in a sense, saying, Hey, you know, these are society's ills that I'm seeing at the time and you know, we need to address them, you know, before they get out of hand and uh you know, here we are, said almost, you know, 40 years later, and we still really haven't, so. Nope, nope. They're all very complicated issues that are just still part of who we are as a society. So, unfortunately. All right, Jerry, well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk Andy Christian, and this has been the Press Your Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. Thanks to Jerry for joining me. Thanks Thanks again for having me, Jason. Yeah, great. I'm I'm glad you had a good time, and uh, until next time. As always. (laughs) All right. Take care.